Psalm 46 is what we are to today. This is the 10th week we've done Psalms, and we are at Psalm 46. I'm not, you know, I'm kind of just praying and seeing where they go. They typically have um, helped us out. We'll probably stay in the Psalms for a little while. I enjoy the Psalms. I think we can pray the Psalms. It's a good place for us to start. The 150 books in the Psalms, you know, I divided it up last week, told you about the five different books of the Psalms, but there are other different collections of different Psalms that can be found as well. Uh, so I want to talk about those real quickly. You've got prayers of an individual, Psalm 3 through 7. Uh, praise offered to God for his saving help, Psalm 30 and Psalm 34. Confessions of confidence in the Lord, Psalm 11, 16, and 52. Hymns of praise of God's majesty and virtue, Psalm 8, 19, 29, 65. Songs of Asaph, Psalm 50, and then 73 through 83. And then Songs of Ascent. And actually, we'll spend some time on those. Uh, we have done one of those, actually. Um, but Songs of Ascent, Psalm 120 through 134. But what really should come to our minds when we are spending time with the Psalms would be that we are like taking them, um, you know, to to heart. Uh, you know, we can learn how to pray and praise by allowing the scripture to set the course for our walk with God. The Psalms literally are conducive to us being with God. So Psalm 46 is a, is a response to the lamentations, the sorrow, the heaviness, the despair that we see in Psalm 42 through 44. Now, 42 we did last week, and you remember how that goes. Uh, Psalm 46 really could be a response to those lamentations. Now, Psalm 46 has further uniqueness about it as well. It falls into a couple of groups that we'll see. One is a song for the songs of Zion, the city of God. Uh, which are Psalm 46, 48, 76, 84, 122, 126, 129, and 137. And then the songs of the sons of Korah, 42 through 49, 84 and 85, and 87 and 88. There are 12 in total. And uh, again, we talked about that last week as well. So, you know, that the single superscription songs of Korah is remarkable itself. These would have been the priestly descendants of Korah who would have rebelled against Moses and Aaron, which was ultimately a rebellion against God. Um, their story of their ungodliness is told in number 16, and it's truly a horrifying story. Uh, now, I could go and... Uh, spend some time on that and we'll talk about that at some point if you'd like uh, but yeah I don't I don't know that we want to go that route right now um, but Korah was the tribe of the tribe of Levi he was one of the descendants of Kohath Kohath and his kin were the ones who were responsible for carrying the most holy of all but their devotion to duty was erased when they overstepped their bounds now like I said, we could spend some time on that, but I'm not going to do it today. God swallowed Korah along with Dathan, Abiram, On, and some of the Reubenites. And they died, but the sons of Korah refused to go along with the plans of their father. On a whole different 
thought would be the implication that Cora's son saw through the blighted hypocrisy that their father held. Um, they saw him doing one thing in the tabernacle among the holy articles, but when he came home, it was a completely different story. We kind of know how that goes in some homes. Um, almost to do as I say, not as I do. Every person among us must play close, pay close attention to our lives and uh, that we do not send mixed signals to our families. This is a day when we need to be holy among the sacred and the secular. And so Psalm 46 brings us into this conversation today. Psalm 46, a mighty fortress is our God, a refuge, a strength. And as we come to this text, uh, again, it's important for us to see that Psalms 42 through 44 are prayers that pour out of the mouths of the sons of Korah. Uh, the, the phrases all through these Psalms key us to the fact that they are prayers. Uh, laments, so to speak. Um, just a quick run through of some of those. Um, you know, Psalm 42, 1, as the deer or as the heart um, panteth for the water, uh, my soul thirsteth for God, and shall I come and appear before God. 42, 2, 42, 4, I pour out my soul in me. 42.9, I will say unto God, my rock. 43.1, judge me, O God, and plead my case. 43.3, send out thy light and truth. Let them lead me. 44.1, we have heard with our ears, O God. 44.4, thou art my king, O God. 44.5, through thee, through thy name. 44.7, thou hast saved us, thou hast put them to shame. And 44.8, in God we boast. But then the prayer turns back to a lament in 44.10 because of their backsliding. But all through the lamentations of Psalm 44, we hear the cry of the people, repentant, backslider. My confusion is continually before me. The shame of my faith has, face hath covered me. Psalm 44.15. Psalm 44.17. If we have not forgotten thee, if we have not dealt falsely in thy covenant, uh, Psalm 44, 18, our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps declined from you. Uh, 44, 21, he knoweth the secrets of the heart. 44, 23, arise, cast us not off forever. Arise for our help, Redeemer, or redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Uh, 44, 23, and 26, um, respectively. And then the prayers burst forth into praise. They burst forth into praise. So before actually getting into Psalm 46, it's helpful to know some of the background, which I've been giving you, as to what is taking place that would elicit the psalmist to write it under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. A majority of biblical scholars point to the attack of Shennacherib on Jerusalem when Hezekiah was the king. Now, the Assyrians are marching out of the north, pushing through Syria, then into Israel, and, and now they've arrived in Judah. The Assyrian armies had left their wake, smoke-blackened ruins of cities, strong corpses of the dead, and the great fear of those who remain. And Hezekiah now is in Jerusalem and had sent tribute 
money in hopes to buy off this invader, which initially worked until Sennacherib began to have second thoughts. Now, um, he sends a man named uh, Rabshakeh with a demand that Hezekiah open the gates of Jerusalem and let the invaders in. Now, in the meantime, Hezekiah consults the prophet Isaiah. He is directed to refuse the demands of Sennacherib. And Rabshakeh, once he finds out the news, starts to mock and scorn the people of God. He notifies Sennacherib, who takes his entire army, surrounds Jerusalem with 185,000 men. But in the night, the Lord sends one angel who devastates the entire army and wipes them out. So Psalm 46 is what comes out as a hymn of praise. Hezekiah, Isaiah, or an unknown poet of Judah could have written this. But chiefly what we would remember is this. In the face of earth-shaking circumstances, we will not fear because God oversees everything. Now, um, as we look at this and as we break into this, I have studied, I've looked at some many different outlines of this psalm, and I found one that I think um, truly speaks volumes in how we want to look at this. And so I've kind of borrowed that a little bit, but I've also put some of my own things to it here. Um, as I want to really just help us to see... Uh, you know, the God is a refuge. God is a ruler. He is a river. Um, first, we see in the first three verses, he is our refuge. Uh, Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3, how we're going to open this up with the scripture today. To the chief musician for the sons of Korah, a song upon Alameth. Now, that's just the little inscription as to who it's for. So, um, but remember our refuge and our strength. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling, thereof. Selah. Now again, that word Selah is a small word, but it does kind of seem to possibly mean something. Uh, maybe a pause. We're not real sure. But we see from this psalm first an immovable refuge. The psalmist sets forth immediately with great encouragement about God being a refuge. In God, we have a refuge. That expression is used nine different times in the psalms. Um, even in Psalm 18, there is a description of God being a rock or a fortress, and the Lord is filling this role for the saint. There is never a need for the child of God to fear. No matter what perils are against us, we are safe when we place our trust in the Lord. There are crucial words that show up immediately in the first verse of Psalm 46, refuge, strength, and help. Now, if this psalm shows us to the immovable refuge of God that God will be for the believer, there must be something that is opposing, threatening, hindering, battling. And um, 
the psalmist almost paints a picture of chaos here. The earth is about to be removed. The mountains may be cast into the sea, the waters roaring and foaming. I mean, does it really strike us what peace is and how and, and can really be? Um, peace is ultimately abiding in the presence of the Lord. That's what we just spent a lot of time talking about. Peace is abiding in the presence of the Lord. Peace is abiding with God. So if if it's abiding with God, then peace means the Lord is with the saint, but also he's against the wicked. The good shepherd that John later defined in John 10 brings peace into the life of the child of God. When we talk about the good shepherd, what do we talk about? Well, the good shepherd offers security. He offers assurance, presence, trust, calmness, awareness of the nearness of God. The Lord helps us with all of our tribulations. So there are many that come to us in this life, but every one of them, we must flee to the Lord to avoid, you know, as our refuge, the troubles that we find. The struggles that come at us, the tribulations we face, we have to flee them to the Lord. So maybe we have job problems or personal property being um, taken from us. Um, catastrophic health events, uh, enduring the trials with those we love or any other thing that we must endure. Uh, in Second Corinthians, Paul actually addressed it. In this manner, 2 Corinthians 4, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels or in jars of clay, as some translations say, that excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered into death for Jesus' sake. For the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak knowing that he which raised up the Lord shall, or the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes and the abundant grace that might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of the Lord. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Yet the greatest tribulation that we all bear is the recognition of our own sin. You know, that's the hardest thing for us to realize. The, the greatest tribulation that we all bear is the recognition of our own sin. 
It's a very serious wound that we cannot really grasp outside of the strong preaching that comes from our conscience and the conviction of the Spirit of God. So we will not fear, even though the earth be moved, there is a remedy the Lord has provided for us. The work of the cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ Jesus. The waters may roar, but they may never erode the foundations of the Lord. The Lord is our immovable refuge. This safety that we have, this refuge that we have. Which brings us to um, this inexhaustible river that's spoken of starting in verse 4. You know, we, we come out of the one section talking about the refuge, and it brings us right into verse 4. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob, our refuge. Salah. Now, as we look at this and we continue here from this psalm, we see the immovable refuge in verses one through three. Now an inexhaustible river. There's a reference to a river. This is more than just a creek or a brook that runs through a city. This is more than than just an you know the it's 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 more than just water like a, a small water source. Um, it seems to be a constantly flowing source of refreshment. Hezekiah, being a wise king, knew that the assault of the Assyrians wasn't too far in the future and has taken some steps to make sure that Jerusalem was prepared in case a siege were to take place. Now he was aware of the spring of Gahan that was just below the steep eastern hill of Ophel in the Kidron Valley. He also knew if the enemy were able to find it, and they most certainly would during a time of a siege, they would either dam it up or corrupt it so that the city could not use it. So Hezekiah and a group of intelligent engineers had diverted a, a spring to flow directly into the city, but it was hidden from an enemy that might scout the area. They went down through the rock, carved out a conduit that was more than 1,750 feet long so that the water flowed underground and under the walls of Jerusalem. At the end of the conduit, the engineers created a reservoir of water that could sustain the city for an indefinite period of time. Once the water had been rerouted, then they covered up and they covered up the old spring and no one who stumbled across it would have been able to figure out anything. They'd have been none the wiser. So for every bit of cunning ruthlessness of the Assyrians, um, they knew nothing about the inner source of refreshment and strength that came into the city. Without that hidden river, Jerusalem would have certainly fallen if they were to endure a long siege. Spiritual wisdom 
should tell all of the saints of God that there will be some times in the future that we need to be prepared for. Times that you will not have any ability to get prepared. That's why it's important to prepare now. I think it's vitally important that we prepare now. This is what makes the daily discipline so crucial. Times that we spend in secret prayer, secret worship, secret devotion, secret meditation, and the secret Bible reading, those moments when we are alone with God, routing the river into our soul, routing that river into the middle of us so that if something happens, we're prepared. The streams make glad. It secures the holy. The foundations are not moved. You see, there's a spiritual help available at all times. And if we can get this river secretly flowing into us, in whatever way that it might be, if they take away this book and dam up the river and the way that it flows within us, it's still here, working inside. You know, the heathen can rage, the kingdoms can roar, but the Lord of hosts can be with you. There's a refuge that is supplied by a river. And just as we find encouragement to know that there is a strong river that comes to a strong refuge, there are needs to be an element of warning here as well, um, that there are false refugees that the devil would like for us to put our confidence in. Um, money is one of those. Money, something that it would... Um, if they can get enough money stashed away, that it would bring security that they're looking for. But the Lord reminded us that we will face our death someday. Luke 12, 19 gives the warning, eat, drink, and be merry, but the soul will be called to give an accounting. Uh, second is education, special training, skills, personal talent. The world is full of people who have encountered sudden reversals and lost everything despite their personal giftings and education. Families, friends, and associates can also be uh, some of these false things that can come at us. They're only human supporters and they are very uncertain. They There will come a time when nobody will be able to pull strings or perform any favors that might save you. And there's another place to go for your trust. Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life, we need to let that go. The body, they can kill, but God's truth will abide in us. His kingdom is forever. To trust in the Lord, we have to yield control to God. We have to believe that God's solution is best. We have to be patient and we have to walk by faith, not by sight. We can trust God for eternity. But sometimes we have trouble trusting him with the days that we live in. Our invincible ruler, he, this is the third thing we see from the text today, verses 8 through 11. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the ends of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. 
So we see from this psalm, we have an immovable refuge with an inexhaustible river and an invincible ruler. When everything around us seems to be out of control, we've been given a reason to sing. We've been given a reason to sing. They instruct us in verse eight, look, gaze, focus, see, grasp, comprehend, behold the works of the Lord. Come behold the works of the Lord. These things looked very troubling, but the Lord has met the battle head on and has destroyed the work of the enemy. Think about it. The wars are over. The bows are broken. The spears have been cut in two. The chariots are burning wreckages. No matter what comes against the church of God or the child of God, in the end, God will be victorious. This applies to us so, so much today. This applies to us so, so much today. The sons of Korah shift their attention here. When they come to verse 10, the transition is from the psalmist to the voice of God. And he calls out, be still and know that I am God. When we're still long enough, when we're quiet, we can see God at work in every part of our circumstance. The devil wants us to forget that. How many of us have been distracted by what's been going on around us? The reality is, is it when I came to this and study and when I get to this point, this is where I'm convicted by the word and I have to repent sometimes and ask the Lord to forgive me. If you allow your eyes to get fixed on your surroundings instead of God, the whole tenor of your soul changes from faith to fear. And for a while during this last few months, there were days where I got wrapped up in what was going on around me. And I lost focus. I lost sight of what was really taking place. It's easy to become fearful when we find ourselves up against great difficulties or trying to factor through the lies of the devil and his flaming darts. But God is faithful and he will always bring you through. A prayer can be traced directly to this psalm. Um, a prayer that can be traced directly into this. Uh, in fact, it's praying the scriptures. Um, you alone are my refuge and my strength when I am faced with the pains of life. The world can seem to be crumbling around me, but I'm certain that God is still at work for me. Not so much for me as he is working out his will in a greater fashion than what I can sometimes see or feel. Lord, teach me to look to you as the sole refuge in life. Don't let me look to an institution or an organization, but to you and you alone. That is a prayer that we could pray. It's a way to pray the scriptures. In fact, that's, I believe, a liturgical prayer in some churches. Um, so you may even hear that prayed at times. But what a mighty fortress our God is. What a mighty fortress is our God. This message is based in that song. Um, it, 
it's actually based right out of this song. It was written by Martin Luther. The song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Hear, hear the words. Um, he was at a very troubled point in life. It says, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he, amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us well. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath, his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled, should threaten to undo us. We will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That word, above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The Spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. This body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Now, I kind of used some of those words earlier, but our God indeed is a mighty mighty fortress. God is a mighty fortress. Our mighty fortress is a place for us to run and hide. It's a place for us to find peace. It's a place for us to find hope. It's a place for us to find opportunity. We can run and hide in that fortress today. A mighty fortress is our God. As we close this out today, we will take a moment. Uh, we'll pause here in just a moment. But just, if you have a need, don't let this day go by without reaching out to someone. We understand the struggles you face. And that's okay. It's okay to have a need. It's okay to want to reach out to someone. Um, but you don't have to hurt. Let's close in prayer. And then we'll pause and come back. But bow with me in prayer for a moment. Father, Lord, we thank you. What a mighty fortress you are a bulwark never fading. Lord, you have never let us down. You have never even remotely thought about leaving us alone. God, you have always given us a hope and an opportunity. Lord, we thank you now that we have this chance. 
to come before you, to seek you, Lord, to find you moving in mighty ways around us. Father, we are truly blessed to see what you do and what you will do. So, Lord, as we go through these days, as we go through these struggles, I pray that we would find a hope in you today. God, as we come out of the times of despair, I pray that we can pray this psalm, that we can pray the psalms to you. And, Lord, that this one would show strength. This one would show opportunity. God, this one would show that we're here and we care. That, Lord, we're thankful for what you do. But, Lord, more off, more than anything, I pray that we would be still and know that you are God today. Be still and know that you are our Father, that you are our fortress, that you are our refuge, Lord, that there is a river that can flow to the heart within us. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we give you the glory. So we just come before you this morning. Lord, we pray you go with us, lead us, continue to direct us. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Again, if you need to talk with someone, contact me. I would love to talk with you. Love to hear from you. Um, if you will, stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. Again, we want to thank you for tuning in for our services here on our uh, podcast page. Thank you for listening and hope you had a blessed time with us. You can get more information on Newland Christian Church at newlandchristianchurch.com or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash newlandchristianchurch. And until next week, we hope you have a blessed week in the Lord.